Jake. Hi, Carrie. We read a book. Yeah. We're releasing two episodes in a month. That's weird. I know. This is very unusual for us, but we just happened to have read this book and we really needed to talk about it. So um, we basically both read it yesterday and we're talking about it today and it's awesome. And here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really excited about this. Uh, yeah. This is a, a delightful book for the holidays. It sure is. So here we go with um, Rabbit and Robot. By Andrew Smith. Let's see. So Andrew Smith, we previously did his book, uh, Grasshopper Jungle. It's the grasshopper jungle with the horniest bugs and with phrases you'll read over and over. And the last known survivors could have saved the world. Now with babies and dogs, they all live in a bunker. Which is a delightful role. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What did you call about it? Like uh, 400 pages of what the fuck? It was, yeah, like 400 pages of what the fuck did I just read? And so was this. Yes. Um, did it strike you that this book sort of, I mean, apart from the fact that it's a completely different setting with completely different characters. That it was Grasshopper Jungle. Or I felt like it sort of started where Grasshopper Jungle ended in a way. Yeah. It's like, this is the bunker. Right. Yeah. No, I got a lot of Grasshopper Jungle in it. In fact, like the characters, I kept thinking like, oh, this one is Robbie. And this one is, I forgot what the um, other character's name was, the main character. But like in this one, oh, but Robbie is now Billy. Mm. Anyway, yeah. So I did get a lot of Grasshopper Jungle out of it, but also completely, completely different. Uh, right. There were fewer uh, cannibalistic robot giraffes in Grasshopper Jungle, for instance. It's true. Instead, there were a lot of cannibalistic um praying mantai true so there's still people uh, things eating things yeah <laughs> and heads getting gnawed upon i mean it, it, let's just be honest i think andrew smith enjoys cannibalism sure uh <laughs> not as a personal practice presumably not that we know of personally however so let's see where, where should we start with this god um it's really <laughs> hard to describe like how to start with this book um it is a couple of teenage boys on a giant luxury spaceship cruise liner. So it's them. There are two stowaways, uh, two women who are stowing away, who I kind of wished had a little bit more to do. Oh, so much more. Because I think they have a good story and I wanted to know what their story was. But instead, we just got a couple of like offhanded comments, but we didn't really hear a lot about them. I'm not even sure why they stowed away i wasn't sure either i don't know if it was just because they could yeah and earth kind of sucked earth definitely kind of sucked so earth is going through like a shit ton of wars they've had i think 25 wars going on at once and they just started a new war with canada um everyone is either a rabbit or a robot at this point so they're either a rabbit or a bonk which is a soldier little rabbit foo foo riding through the forest scooping up the or they're a robot and they're a coder. There's also a cartoon called Rabbit and Robot, um, which these two stereotypes or these two groups of people are sort of played out on cartoon form, which is a very, very popular thing that everybody watches, except for the two main characters, Cager Messer and his friend Billy. Right. They're both very, very rich and their parents are sort of the reason all of this happened. Yeah. And so there's this sort of idea that, um, I mean, I feel like some of this 
is a little bit stuff I'm filling in, mm -hmm. but the general idea seems to be that the, you know, in the United States, the sort of cheap robots with artificial intelligence were invented and quickly basically took over all jobs except for two. And so school is basically designed to sort you into, are you smart enough to program the robots, in which case you become a coder, or... Are you everybody else? Right. And then and then you join the military. Um, so, and so education is designed to sort you into that and figure out which one of those you're good at and to slot you right into there. So there are three quotes at the beginning of the book, and one of them is from Eric Fromm, or Fromm, which says, education makes machines which act like men and produces men who act like machines. So since they're rich kids, their parents don't want them to be in either of those tasks. So they're not allowed to watch the TV show, which is supposed to condition you to one of those roles. And they're not allowed to go to school. And they're not allowed to take this drug called Waz, although... Cager is addicted to it. Yeah, the the main you know the person point of view character is totally addicted to it. Yeah. Well, he does it recreationally, where everyone else does it medicinally. Yeah. And so I think that was the difference, you know, because they all do it so they can. It's basically like Adderall, I think, or something like that, where it's it it makes them focus in school, but you know, times a hundred. Right. And so he does it recreationally because he doesn't go to school, um, and so he overdoses close enough to it, passes out a lot, throws up all over the place. Etc. Very classy gentleman. Yes. And so Billy and their caretaker, Rowan, are worried that he's going to die, basically. And so they d get this idea of kidnapping him into this spaceship and keeping him in space where he'll dry out. Yeah. So Cager is the main character. His dad um, makes Rabbit and Robot, and he owns uh, the Tennessee, which is the, the big spaceship that they're on. Billy, um, his parents or his dad basically invented the robots and makes the robots. So all of his, all of these V4 robots come from his factory and all of the V4 robots have their own special personalities based on however the coders were feeling at the time, which is really fun and interesting. Yeah. So there's uh, angry robots, depressed robots, horny robots, happy robots, and the other thing I guess I would call like didactic robots. Uh, the mansplaining robots. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say podcaster robots, but. Oh, no. <laughs> so basically the book opens with two boys naked in um, the water. Uh -huh. And a robot tiger eating their clothing. Yes. Starting with their pants. Starting with the pants. And then there's another robot up a tree who is horny. Yep, there is. Very horny. And would like to tell you very often that he has an erection. Yes. Just a matter of fact. Like, by the way, I have an erection. Yeah. And you know what? He always does. He is not lying. And then along comes a giraffe. Yeah. The giraffe speaks with a French accent and is named Maurice. He is bisexual. <laughs> yes. Well, all giraffes are, apparently. And he eats the tiger. Yes. And the tiger, who had no discernible European accent, said, Ow, that fucking hurts. This is all there is to life, isn't it? Sadness and pain. The tiger wept and sobbed as great gushing blobs of viscous semen-like hydraulic fluid burped from the gaping holes Maurice pierced in his torso. 
Maurice ate and ate as the tiger cried and cried. And that's when I realized this book is going to be the greatest thing <laughs> I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah, that seems right. How could you not love that? I can't imagine. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it sort of flashes back to... To how they got to this point. Right, which it starts a couple of days before Christmas. It sure does. So um, Happy holidays. Yeah, this is a, quite a, a timely book that we're reading. Throughout the book, Cager often talks about the cogs or the robots um, as, you know, nothing more than a, a blender or a spoon or, or something that is an object. Um, but I think the book is really about what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And so as he's going through this process and as he's going through this, you know, it's basically everything goes to shit as everything is wont to do. Um, he comes to, to like some of these blenders and feel an affinity for them and then other ones he still feels nothing for so what how do we talk about that right i mean i feel like the ones that he he sort of shares experiences with some of them such as the um parker the horny parker yeah i i wrote it as um Cager's valet, constant erections. Yeah. And so that's all he wants to do is he wants to have sex. He wants to to hold hands. He just wants connections, but also erections. Uh, and then there's a Milo, I think, uh, is the depressed busboy. Mm -hmm. And then Lord, who is kind of the flirty, very happy sort of stewardess yeah she will she, anything will make her poop <laughs> yeah except she can't actually poop she can't actually poop although some cogs can yeah that's it, weird it's true <laughs> um so one thing is that i feel like you know as rich people the way that they view people is actually not necessarily that different from the way they view cogs um they're kind of like they have friends back on earth, but they don't really trust them or they've all been paid to be their friends. Yeah. And so I don't feel like they have necessarily have a ton of compassion for them either. I mean, the entire world is basically destroyed fairly early on in the book and it doesn't seem particularly traumatizing for them in the way that you might expect. No, not at all. And they, they sort of, you know, just sort of say, like, Oh, I guess everything's gone now. Fuck. But it's not, yeah, they're not really sad about it. And the reason that the world got destroyed is that the, the cogs were able to duplicate themselves. They were able to make new cogs, cutting out the middleman. And so that had to stop. Right. And some aliens show up who are going to stop that from happening. But it kind of stopped itself because, so this happened in India, I think, due to... Outsourcing. <laughs> Yeah, some kind of tariff, I think, perhaps. <laughs> Yet this was written in 2015, or this is when he started. It was in 2015. And so America starts its 30th war or 29th war uh, against India. And that's the one that res the result is when they look down on Earth, all they see is clouds of smoke. They don't see, they can't even see any landmasses or anything. So I feel like part of the book is just sort of about them, like learning to kind of see that there isn't necessarily a big distinction between these robots and people. 
like, and coming to feel sort of compassion for them both. Although, as you say, like some of the, some robots, mainly like the angry ones, I feel like Mm -hmm. who at the beginning of the book, uh, Kager or Kager. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I, I, my brain said Kager. So Kager, uh, thinks they're hilarious and Billy just can't stand them at all. Yeah. Billy hates all robots, basically all cogs. Uh, and, and sort of, so there's this, so they're kind of moving in this direction where some of these robots kind of become friends, even though they're not really totally capable of being friends in return because they're so fixed in how they act. And the kind of the turning point is when they figure out that, Rowan, their caretaker of however old they are, 18 years, um, is actually a a cog, apparently a more advanced kind. Which did not surprise me at all. Like, I I figured he was a cog. Oh, let me ask you this. So how many of the characters in the book did you think were cogs that weren't initially presented as one? Like, at one point, I thought Billy might be a cog. I didn't think he was. I thought that because when they got scanned, they were scanned as human. But I guess Rowan was also scanned as human. Yeah, I think that that's just like it because Meg and Jeffrey were scanned as cogs, even though they were human. But they they did a little manipulation. So maybe I guess Rowan did some manipulation as well. Um, no, I never thought that Billy was a cog. And I didn't think that Cager was a cog because Billy... I mean, he'd have to be a really particularly advanced cog because he had more than one, like he had a range of emotions and a different way of, you know, he didn't approach everything the exact same way. So I, I, I don't know. I guess I never thought he was a cog. I sort of assumed that the people that we thought were people were people, except for Rowan, who I assumed was a cog from the beginning because he was so cagey about everything. Right. I was like, oh, okay, so he's a robot. Cool. And plus, I don't think he's aged. Right. There were definitely some tells there. So how did you, like, what did you sort of think about how Cager's attitude towards the the cogs uh, evolved? You know, I, I guess I feel like it had to evolve in order to survive. Um, he had to feel something, otherwise he was going to go absolutely batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so clinging to some form of humanity was giving them humanity, which probably makes no sense. But I think, you know, in order to, they're on this giant fucking spaceship. Everything else they know and care about is dead. Everybody is eating everybody else. I mean, you've got to have friends somehow, and it can't just be one person. Otherwise, again, batshit crazy. Um, and plus, these these cogs are the ones that were taking care of him in a way. So he's at least able to sort of do the same in return and make sure that they were safe. Mm-hmm. Um, because a, a the aliens put a worm in, in the system which basically was a bug that made all the robots turn into cannibals. Yeah. Uh, and Waz is also referred to as a worm at various points in the book. Mm-hmm. And I guess the analogy there is that um, both the worm and the Waz are 
supposed to kind of modify their sort of behavioral modification things that, uh, I don't know. I'm not totally sure exactly what that analogy is. You know what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter because there is a bisexual French giraffe that eats a, t- a tiger and it's that's true. Fucking great. We're getting we're getting a little far afield of the things <laughs> that uh, make this book great. The uh, the giraffe, the constant erections. Yep. The the weird flirty flight attendant who wears day of the week underwear and talks about pooping all the time mm-hmm. and farts and farts. Oh my god, so many farts. Cheap a yeep. Oh god. <laughs> um, I felt like this book was sort of more emotional than Grasshopper jungle in part because i felt like the protagonists of grasshopper jungle have this sort of ironic remove to them to everything yeah that the people here don't but also at the same time it did have a lot of the same feeling to it you know because in grasshopper jungle the book that you're reading is basically the main character's diary Mm. and it's like hey if you read this great we're you know we're the last human beings alive and that sort of happens here as well where it starts off with like hey if you're reading this by the way Here's who we were. So I thought that was really interesting. And that's why I kept thinking like, huh, Grasshopper Jungle. I wonder if this is happening like at the same time. But of course, that's impossible. But Well, did you see the one common element? What was the one common element? Early on, I think one of them makes a reference to Eden 5 needs you for. <gasps> I didn't notice that. Damn. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Now I have to look for it. Okay. Where in the book was it? It was before they went to space. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh no, okay, it was actually after. It's t- towards the beginning of the chapter titled "Out of Bed and Into the Tennessee." Okay. Oh, there it is. Oh, it's like halfway through the book, so I'm totally wrong. Yeah, you're very wrong. It's forty nine percent. Sorry about that. But you know what? Okay. We spent more than an hour riding the elevator from one deck to another, finding nothing but dark and empty floors of unoccupied staterooms. This place is kind of creepy, Billy said. And I added, it's like a horror movie. Heh, it's kind of like that stupid 50-year-old movie we watched at Paula's house. Eden 5 needs you 4. Remember the one where those two teenage boys are taken into space so their sperm can be used to start a new race of human beings? (laughs) Uh, That movie was so dumb, I said. Nobody in their right mind would ever want to start a new human race. Well, it certainly happened. Um, King Carlos... Fucked a, uh, a monkey. Yes. And, ma- and made people. Right. Uh, and King Carlos is a machine of some kind also. Well, he can turn into a machine. Yeah. So the aliens. <laughs> Talk to me about the aliens, Carrie. I, I didn't. You, you know what, Jacob? I didn't know what the fuck was happening. So halfway through the book. Yeah. These blue aliens show up. And I'm assuming that they're going to kill everybody, but they don't. They say that, you know, well, we're here to stop uh, the robots from being able to procreate. Um, but you all fucked that everything up anyway, so we're good. Um, and they also talk about tacos. They love tacos. Yes. And um, King Carlos fucked a monkey and made people. Right. That's how come there are humans. So they're basically God. But they're blue aliens and they can turn into spaceships and they have really horny teenage kids. One of them is made to be a gasket. And and, and uh, King Carlos explains that this builds character. Yep. Queen Dot um, 
makes them all have dinner together and sort of talks to them about like, here's who we are and what we do. And we have given you everything, like all the great ideas that you've ever had is actually ours. So, haha. And then of course her, one of her teenage sons has sex with, um, had sex with Parker while looking like Billy. Yes. But on Cager's bed. Everybody has sex on Cager's bed. Yeah, except Cager. Cager still has not had sex. No. Um, there's, and this time, this actually is early on in the book. It's 5% in. Uh, Cager talks about um, an episode of Rabbit and Robot titled I Am the Worm. And it says, in the episode called I Am the Worm, there are these blue space creatures who can turn themselves into anything they want to be. Alligators, Abraham Lincolns, or is it Abraham's Lincoln? This is why I need a cigarette. Phillips had screwdrivers, frying pans, whatever, and they send out this little blue worm wriggling through the solar system, and it ends up crawling up inside Mooney's nose. Mooney being the, the cog in uh, Rabbit and Robot. The worm that went up his nose reprogrammed him and made him go insane. So they all sort of know that this is happening. Right. And this is all a way of programming, just like the cogs are now programmed to eat each other in order to basically self-destruct so they're not able to make new cogs. However, they totally are. Right. So at the end of the book, a lot goes on in this book. A lot goes on in this book. So, yeah, you know, there are two stowaways. They're girls. Cager has a really good sense of smell, so he can, he can keep smelling these girls, and then they finally meet up. But like, And he's like, oh, yeah, it's it's, it's Pound Town. But, no, it, it still does not happen. It is not the town of Pound. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, a lot goes on in this book. And, of course, you know, throughout this whole thing, we've got um, robots eating each other. We've got this... Dr. Geneva, um, he is obviously the doctor on the on the ship, and he is the mansplainer. The Reverend really wishes he'd bought the blue car. Yes. I, I didn't know. <laughs> I loved that. I don't know why, but that really just made me feel good mm-hmm. inside. Right. I think it's Episcopalian. And it's like interesting that one of the jobs that has been automated is being a preacher. Everything's been automated. Yeah, everything except being a soldier, which is because it's illegal. Yeah, because they think like, oh, only people can can do this honorably. Anyway, this is a really good book, and it's really I guess it's hard to explain, but it's it's about it's about friendship. It's about what it means to be human. Um, one thing that I, I wrote down at the end, um, it was a quote from the book, and it's "Love and hope are makes us what we are." I wrote down a quote too. My quote is. Shut up, Billy. It would take a lot fucking more than you killing me for me to stop loving you. And that's another thing I love about. So Andrew Smith writes about boys being able to say they love each other. And I love that. Because boys should be able to say that they love each other in in a friend way and in a love way and in all sorts of ways. But in a lot of so far, every single Andrew Smith book I've read ever has had a boy saying to another boy, they love them. And I really appreciate that. Fuck toxic masculinity. Yeah. And I like that quote in particular because I read that. I was just like, yeah, goddamn right. Like, yes, you have friends like that, that 
even when you're angry at them, you're like, I'm going to love you no matter what. I just hate you right now. Yeah. Uh, um, is there anything else? I mean, there's so many things in this book that it's hard to really explain um, what it is about this that is so wonderful. It is weird, but it is, I think it's a really strong book in that, you know, Cager grows as a person. He's still a virgin and he's pissed off about that, but he grows as a person. And, um, and I like that. And I like that he, he grows to care about other people. Um, even the ones that aren't people per se, Mm -hmm. um, they become friends and, and important to him. And I think that's great. And I just think it's a wild ride. Like I loved how strange and, and, lovely this book is even though it's you know every other word is fuck (laughs) and you know there's a literal erection on every page it's like i wonder i wonder how quickly the word horny will appear in this book and the answer was (laughs) page two there it is (laughs) (laughs) um i also i like i liked and i don't even I can't even describe why exactly, but I liked Cager's weird quest to find and use a can opener. Yeah. Like just this weird detail that it's like, well, I'm stuck on this boat for the rest of my life. You know, what What am I going to do? But he makes Parker go look for it. And part of that is to get, get Parker to go away. Right. But also he really does want to try to use a can opener because he's never had to do anything like that before in his life. He's always had people do things for him. He's got Rowan who gets his clothes ready every day. He's got, you know, Parker who, who wants to do everything for him. And then Meg finds an outfit for him and it's like a cool kid outfit. And Rowan's like, what the fuck are you wearing? He's like, "Eh, clothes. Because it's, you know, even though it's like, it was still somebody dressing him, he was able to, have a little more personality in what he was wearing and sort of be his own person. Mm-hmm. And I also, I like Jeffrey a lot. I really wanted more from Jeffrey. Wanted to know her story. I wanted to know more about Meg. Um, they were the, they were the stowaways. Uh, Jeffrey is trans and, you know, was nervous about missing out on her, her, I guess she's got some sort of transdermal um, shot or patch or something. And so she needed more of that. Um, and, they were looking for the doctor, but the doctor had been partially eaten. So I guess they, I don't know how they're going to find that. Well, at the end, they're going back to earth. They are going back to earth. I don't know what they're going to go back to. That was kind of our question at the end of grasshopper jungle is like, do we think anyone is still alive outside of the hatch? And here, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. This, this one seems rougher. I know. I mean, it's not like I can say like, Oh, there's someone definitely in Tasmania. But I, I really think that it's probably all gone. Yeah. But on the other hand, like now on the ship, there are these cogs reproducing. Yeah. And so maybe there's some kind of hope there. I don't know. Yeah, they created Mooney, which I thought was really interesting. And Abraham Lincoln? Yes, they did. Yeah. Or Abraham's Lincoln. We're not sure. Hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? Did you like it? I did. Were you really unnerved by it? You know, 
I I love. I mean, I don't know, man. I love Andrew Smith's brain. I love it. Mm-hmm. I uh, I'm not sure if. So I felt like it was less weird than Grasshopper Jungle, but I wasn't sure it was because I already read Grasshopper Jungle and so was prepared for the experience. You should go back and read one of his older books that is not like this weird, like trippy sci-fi shit. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like, who the fuck is this? But it's still really good. Right. Like I love Winger. It's um, a really, really good book. Um, It's also going to make you cry, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, But it's not weird in, in this, in this way, but it's still, it's still his voice. It's still in there. There's definitely talk of erections. <laughs> <laughs> well, sign me up then. Oh man. So you liked it. I did. Yes. I, yeah. Um, so uh, we, you know, the way that this episode came about unexpectedly is Carrie's like, I'm reading this book. This is amazing. And I was like, I don't have any plans today. I could read it and we can record about it tomorrow. And so here we are. <laughs> so yesterday I read the whole thing and it was like, you know, I just, just sat down and read it. And it was not, you know, it was not a situation where I'm like, oh, why don't I take a break and look at my phone or anything? It was, it was engrossing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read half of it um, at night and I read the other half in the morning. And I was like, here, kid, watch off the knots. I, Mama's got to read. <laughs> I got to find out what's going down. And um, they never did take a a giraffe ride, did they? They didn't. Uh, They did. The giraffe collapses down to his suitcase and they're taking him back to Earth. They are. Yeah. The the giraffe was also horny. Very horny. But horny to have someone ride on its back, which is a very specific kind of horny that I wasn't previously familiar with. Although. You know, (laughs) there's a lot of horny in this book. And so. So here's a random thing. Um, at the, uh, so there's this local variety show or cabaret show called uh, the empire review, Mm -hmm. which I performed in at the beginning of this month. It was the gift show. So everything was gift themed, uh, or the toy show, one of those. And so, um, before the show started, they have like sort of audience participation things. And then this one, they would have people up and they would name three toys and have them pick the one that was real life uh two were made up okay and so my friend sarah redacted did this thing all right sarah here we go it's like the hula hoop for your head you simply put the swing wing helmet on your noggin and violently whip your head around in a circle as quickly as possible to make the swing wing ribbons go round and round be a Squareables sharpshooter. That's right. Take the best of squares and mash them up with the best of marbles. And you have Squareables. Giddy up. First released by Kenner in 1965, the Daddy Saddle is a miniature dad-sized horse saddle that lets your little cowboy or cowgirl take Daddy for a trot around the living room. But the thing is that Sarah thought that all three of them were fake and just sort of picked randomly. Um, But she nonetheless successfully picked the real one which is the pony up daddy saddle oh i've seen that yeah that's that is real it's real so we're talking about it at my knitting group and i you know and so i like looked it up on amazon where you can buy seven million of these things (laughs) and then the result is that ads for this thing just followed me around the internet for days 
say the result of that is everyone's getting this for Christmas. <laughs> anyway, yeah, writing, back writing, horny for back writing. So, um, all right, very good. So this was uh, just an unexpected fun episode that we recorded. Happy Crambox. Happy Crambox, which is another name for Christmas in this world. Um, the next book we're going to read is The Owl Service by Alan Garner. That is true. Yeah, we talked about that before. Um, we just happened to have read Rabbit and Robot in between. Cheepa yeep. Cheepa yeep. <laughs> and uh, there you go. Rabbit and Robot, Andrew Smith. I highly recommend you read it if you haven't already done so. Um, it's it's a wild ride. It sure is. Um, and we're, let's see. Oh, so we have a patreon you can go to patreon.com slash love why like crazy for more information about it and if we get 15 people signed up to give us money on a monthly basis we will watch and record a commentary on the 2007 movie version of the golden compass we sure will noses and all y'all yes uh we're also a member of the ear trumpet audio network uh you can visit eartrumpetaudio.com for all your podcast needs you can also follow it on Twitter or on Facebook at Ear Trumpet Audio. And you can check out all the other great podcasts on the network. I feel like there are a bunch that I haven't mentioned recently. Uh, the Realist is one where they're going through the AFI Top 100 Movies. And uh, I like it a lot. There's By the Podcast of Grayskull, which has recently been talking about the new Netflix series. The new She-Ra? Yeah, the new She-Ra. It is so good, by the way. They really like it. Yes, well, they should. Um, and Life Mark, the podcast about Lifetime and Hallmark movies, has been recording uh, the odd new episode recently, and that's continues to be one of my favorite things. That's awesome. Yeah. So thanks for doing this with me, Carrie. Thanks for reading this book in a day. Yeah. Cheepy yeep. Cheepy yeep. And you know what, Jacob? You can be a complete and total asshole, and I'll still love you like crazy. Ah. I want a robot for Christmas, one a hundred meters high, one with flashing lights and dials. It could walk or swim or fly. It would put me on its shoulder so I'd never be alone. It would conquer all the planet with its horde of robot clones. It would rule benevolently, or so it would seem, but then it would sell us, every one of us, to some evil aliens. I would lead the human rebellion against our metal overlords. My paradoxes would drive it crazy, cause its poor head to explode. I'd be a hero to all the humans Become president of the world Statues would be erected for me Cause I'd been so smart and bold That's why I want a robot For Christmas One a hundred meters high One with flashing lights and dials It could walk or swim or fly Love, I like crazy.com. 
EarTrumpetAudio.com. Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear. Hair today, goon tomorrow. Yep. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's edit that out. Will do. (laughs) 